Welcome back to the Joseph Carlson Show. On this episode, we're going to be going over three different subjects, the first of which is the ultra-bullish price target from ARK Invest and Kathy Wood, the so-called queen of investing, for Tesla. They are predicting that in 2025, the expected value of Tesla will be at $3,000 a share. If you're looking at the market cap, that means that Tesla in four to five years, will be a $3 trillion company. That's their expected value. Their bull case is $4,000 a share. That means that Tesla would be a $4 trillion market cap. This, in my humble opinion, is an insane price target. I think that it's highly unlikely. And in this episode, I plan on explaining just how unlikely this is. Now, if you're somebody that you can only hear good news about Tesla, you can only hear things that confirm your biases towards the company because you're an investor and you like the company, this is not the episode for you. I plan on scrutinizing this, looking through the numbers, looking through their predictions, and explaining why I don't think that it's really likely. If that's something that's difficult to hear, again, this isn't going to be an episode you want to listen to. The next thing I plan on going over is, of course, my portfolio. I want to give an update on it and how I plan on increasing the cash flow from the businesses that I'm investing in. So I'm going to be looking at businesses with higher yields to be able to up the amount of dividends I'm getting every single month. I'll be going over that. And then I also want to review content that I watch this weekend that I think are all stellar pieces of content. We have the Falcon and the Winter Soldier from Disney+. Plus. That is one of my largest holdings is Disney. We have Zack Snyder's Justice League. That's on HBO Max. That's another one of my largest holdings. So I plan on reviewing these different pieces of content and seeing how it will play out with these different streaming companies. So we have a lot to get into. I think this will be a fun episode. If you enjoy this type of content, make sure you're subscribed to the channel. You can also check out the Patreon. Shout out to the over 1,600 patrons that we have. Now, let's first jump right into the main story. ARK Invest, which is Kathy Wood, has released their price target for Tesla in 2025. They believe that the expected value of Tesla, the price target for 2025, is $3,000 a share, which based on the market cap trading today would put Tesla at a $3 trillion market cap in 2025. Just as a frame of reference, Apple, which is a software hardware company, the most dominant company in the world with the biggest revenues and the biggest profits, is trading at $2 trillion today, $2 trillion market cap. They're expecting that Tesla will be a full trillion dollar market cap bigger than Apple is currently in four to five years. That is their base case. That's their base scenario. In their bear case, they predict $1,500 a share which at Tesla's current price, $650 a share, they're saying that on a a conservative estimate, on the worst case scenario, Tesla will go up over two and a half times. That's probably going to outperform the general market going up two and a half times over the next four to five years. So even on their bear case, they're really bullish. But their bull case is extraordinary. They're predicting that Tesla will go to $4,000 a share, which would mean that Tesla will have a market cap of $4 trillion, double the size of Apple currently. That is an enormous company, one that we've never seen before. No company has ever reached that size before, and they're predicting that Tesla has a 25% probability of reaching a $4 trillion market cap in 2025. Now, before we jump in and scrutinize these price targets, and I explain why I think that they're highly unlikely, I have to give credit where credit is due. Kathy Wood has a history of giving out these seemingly outlandish price targets for Tesla, and so far she's been correct. She's gained a lot of clout because of her predictions, and she's been correct. And this makes it more difficult for people to scrutinize her decisions and criticize her decisions because of how correct ARK Invest has been over the last five years. The performance of ARK Invest so far has been incredible. Over the past year, they gained 152%. 
That is an incredible gain. Over the past five years annualized, they've returned 45%. That's difficult to argue with. So even though Kathy Wood has been one of the best performing fund managers in the world right now, she's had incredible returns, I don't think that that means we shouldn't scrutinize any of her price targets or any of her predictions. I still think it's smart to look at her predictions with a healthy level of scrutiny. Now, having said all that, let's go into how ARK Invest comes up with this $3 trillion valuation for Tesla. They break it down into four main categories that will drive the market cap for Tesla. You have the electric vehicle, of course, the actual cars themselves. You have RoboTaxi. They believe that that's going to make up a significant portion, maybe half the total market cap of Tesla. And then you have the human-driven ride-hailing. That's another portion, but smaller than the robo-taxi. And then you have the smallest sliver, insurance. Now, I plan on going through each of these to some extent, but I actually want to focus on the insurance portion first. You might think it's the most insignificant, but if their logic and reasoning are wrong in the insurance business, it implies that it could be wrong in other aspects of their predictions. One of the most blistering criticisms on ARK Invest analysis is from Christopher Bloomstrand. He's a CFA. He's the manager of a hedge fund. He's been in the investing business for about 20 years. He's done this tweet storm online that has gone somewhat viral where he criticizes ARK Invest analysis. He says, I see a lot of student company write-ups and pitches. Most of them are better than yesterday's $3,000 ARK price target for Tesla. He points out that he sees student company write-ups from amateurs, right? They're students that have better pitches than ARK Invest's $3,000 price target. He says, in reading the report, it's clear that the motivation is promoting a higher stock price. The fantasy involved is simply spectacular. So with his first tweet to kick this off, he's already had a lot of shots fired at ARK Invest, saying that their analysis is worse than students and the fantasy involved here is spectacular. He says, let's go right to the insurance valuation and model update, where the analyst assumes in a bear case that Tesla's insurance operations is worth $23 billion in 2025, four short years from now. So in four years, they're predicting that Tesla's Uh, Tesla's insurance business will be a $23 billion business. He says it's clear that the author and the firm have no clue how insurance works. Harsh, I know. However, to begin and to be clear, Tesla has zero insurance underwriting operations. They are brokering auto policies in California alone for an underwriting fronting sub owned by Markle. The business written is so small to not even be quantified by either Tesla or Markle in SEC reporting. So he first starts off by saying that Tesla really doesn't have any type of insurance business. They do some brokering for a different company, and the scale of which is so small it's not even reported on their SEC reporting. He continues on in this tweet storm saying, the analysts write, quote, ARC believes that in the next four years, Tesla could roll out insurance offerings to more states, underwriting its own insurance policies because its vehicles have better than average safety profiles. Tesla should be able to use real-time data to offer insurance in vehicles, pricing it dynamically, lowering customer acquisition costs and increasing margins. Relative to progressive 13% EBIT margin in 2019, ARK estimates that Tesla could achieve margins closer to 40%. So right there, ARK Invest is saying that Tesla's margins for insurance will be four times what Progressive's is. But they continue on, if it were to sell 40% of vehicles with its own insurance offerings by 2025, Tesla's insurance revenues could approach $23 billion annually in our bear case. And this is where Christopher starts to give his thoughts on this. He says, this is the stuff of legends. If if and buts were candy and nuts, this is nuts. This is where Christopher looks at some of ARK Invest's assumptions and highlights the issues with them. Suppose instead of brokering policies for an underwriting front, Tesla 
Tesla does get into the underwriting game. Here's where the analyst and ARC know little to nothing of insurance. Let's presume that Tesla is admitted to underwrite auto in every state in which they sell a vehicle. So that's the first assumption. They're going to underwrite in every single state. Suppose for grins, Tesla writes a full forecasted 40% of all policies on every Tesla sold over the next four years, say a generous 10 million vehicles, 5 million sold in 2025. Tesla would be underwriting insurance on 4 million vehicles. It's 40% share of the total starting now. At $23 billion in 2025 insurance revenue, that is a $5,750 annual premium per vehicle, more than $3,000 a year above what the industry charges per vehicle now, and in some cases more than 10% of the total vehicle price before the software upgrades. So he's pointing out that in order for Tesla to achieve this, they need to start writing insurance for every single vehicle in their projected 40%, and then they need to charge $3,000 more than what the industry charges right now. Let's just say that Tesla underwrites 100% of total vehicles sold over the next four years. At the analyst assume $23 billion in revenue, that's $2,300 per policy, still way higher than progressives or the industry average. So even if Tesla underwrites insurance on every single one of their cars sold from now to the end of 2025, they'd still have to charge way more than the industry standard to get to this $23 billion in revenue. So that seems like a tall order. Is Tesla really going to underwrite 100% of the vehicles they sell from today to the end of 2025, and then they're going to charge more for insurance on those vehicles than any other insurance provider? Well, they possibly could, but that seems a little unrealistic. And this isn't the only issue that Christopher points out with ARK Invest analysis. He moves on to point out that ARK Invest really doesn't address, or they don't seem to be aware, that to run a large insurance business, you need a lot of capital. You need money sitting on the side in case there's claims, in case you have to pay out a large amount of claims from cars crashing. Now, to underwrite an insurance requires capital, yet ARK model presumes a share count of 1 billion shares outstanding, well below today's fully diluted count. So they're not going to be raising capital by selling shares. Where are they going to get that capital? He says, beyond asking, how in the world will the company have enough capital to finance building cars at 5 to 10 million annual rate with the capacity they have now and have under construction Vermont, Shanghai, Germany, and Austin without selling new shares? They're not issuing new shares. Where are they getting this capital to fund this additional insurance business? Where will the capital come from to underwrite $23 billion in annual premiums and expand auto production? I think that's a good question. If ARK Invest believes that Tesla's not going to issue more shares, where are they raising all this capital for these additional businesses? So, so far, I think Christopher has made some good criticisms and brought up some good questions. On top of that, he points out the problem of regulation, saying that they're going to need to get accepted to underwrite insurance in every single state, which has different requirements, which will be very expensive to do. So these are two issues that ARK Invest did not address in their analysis. But this next criticism he has... The next thing he touches on is by far the harshest criticism. He says, here's where the ARC report demonstrates its lack of understanding of insurance. How easy to say that Tesla will operate at 40% EBIT margins versus Progressive's 13%. I'm not sure even a college junior with zero investing experience would make that Herculean leap. Tesla will, quote, achieve better than average margins on insurance thanks to the highly detailed driving data it collects from its customers' vehicles. Wow. 
First, the reason that insurers don't want to underwrite Tesla vehicles is they are extremely expensive to repair. Their technological advantage against ICE vehicles, which means the internal combustion engine, means that they have more technology on the vehicle, sensors, computers. When a moron is tooling around thinking that they are FSD and rams into a semi or other vehicle, repairs are expensive, both to cars and to people. Next, the notion that Teslas are safer and will cost less to insure demonstrates a lack of understanding of insurance pricing. Beyond the notion that Teslas are safer and thus cheaper to insure, losses or claims for repairs and medical and operating expenses, underwriting claims, paying management, investing, combined to yield little industry profitability. It's a regulated market with lots of competition. He points out what regulators will do even if Tesla does hit these profitability metrics, saying, if an underwriter like Tesla, remember we are pretending they are one, is consistently too profitable, insurance commissioners will drive pricing down. If collisions trend towards zero frequencies, pricing will reflect fewer claims and insurance costs will decline. So Christopher here, I think, accurately points out another huge flaw in ARK Invest analysis. They're assuming that their insurance business is going to be able to hit these 40% margins, but even if other competition doesn't bring down the price, insurance is a heavily regulated industry and commissioners certainly will. They're not going to let Tesla charge these enormous premiums on their insurance if they don't have the claims to justify it. So Christopher continues on highlighting issues with the profitability estimates that ARK Invest is giving Tesla, saying, I wonder if the analysts realize that more auto insurance profitability is derived from investment income than from the underwriting profit. Meaning that when you go to an insurance provider and they underwrite your claim, they might earn a little bit of profit from doing that, but where they make the most money is by all their surplus of cash sitting on the side. They invest it. That's what Warren Buffett has done with Geico for decades. He has all the surplus of money sitting on the side waiting for claims that he invests in other profitable businesses. This is something that you can do if you're a large insurer and you have a surplus of cash. But he points out that Tesla won't have this large surplus in cash. They won't have enough money on the side to really be able to invest it in anything other than short-term bonds that really don't pay a lot. Now, Christopher caps off this whole tweet storm saying, forget about the implausibility of the $3,000 share price. Forget about the presumed $3 trillion forecasted market cap that doesn't allow for new shares sold. Forget about the capital requirements to grow into 5 to 10 million vehicle production in just four years. The impossible assumptions regarding Tesla's valuation just in regards to insurance blasts a hole in credibility. This is the issue that he's highlighting with their analysis. If they're this wrong in insurance, could they be wrong in other aspects of their analysis? Well, he thinks that there's a good chance of that. Now, even outside of the specific concerns that Christopher Hare brings up about the insurance business of Tesla, I think there's even bigger things to be concerned about with the overall prediction of Tesla getting to a $3 trillion market cap in four or five years. The biggest thing that we can compare Tesla to with this prediction is Apple. It's the most comparable company. They're both hardware and software companies that make expensive devices that appeal to everyone. Tesla makes cars, Apple makes cell phones, computers, laptops, tablets, and wearables. Lots of devices that people use every single day, and both of them have potentially a global scale. Now consider that Apple, even as good and as dominant of a company it is, is only at a $2 trillion market cap. And it's not trading at what I would consider to be undervalued. Apple's trading at somewhat of a high valuation, and it's still only at a $2 trillion market cap. If you consider the gravity of difference in the numbers between Tesla and Apple, this will give you an idea of how big of a leap it is for Tesla to become worth a trillion dollars more than Apple is today. In 2020, just last year, Tesla's revenue was $31.5 billion. 31.5. The same year, 2020, Apple had revenues of $274.5 billion. 
So Apple had roughly nine times the revenue of Tesla in 2020. Nine times the revenue. Now, how is Tesla supposed to increase this revenue from 31 billion to Apple's 274 billion in five years? How are they supposed to 9x their revenue in five years? That seems very difficult to do. And even the analysts on Yahoo Finance, the analyst predictions are that they're going to increase their revenue this year by 52%, and then in 2022 by 30%, leaving them with a revenue in 2022 of only $63 billion. That's still a far cry of even where Apple is today. And Apple, again, is a $2 trillion company, not a $3 trillion. But then you have Tesla investors talking about margins. That, well, their revenue might not go up to meet Apple's, but their margins will be great. They'll have great margins. We can look at Tesla's margins. So far, they've been negative. They've been trending positive, but they're still only at 6.32%. 6% operating margins. You can compare that again to Apple, which has operating margins of 25.24%. Apple has 25% operating margins compared to Tesla's 6% operating margins. So Tesla needs to increase their revenue nine times to get to where Apple is, and then they need to increase their operating margins by four times just to meet where Apple currently is. And consider again that Apple is a $2 trillion company, not a $3 trillion. I think this helps illustrate the magnitude of difference between where Tesla is currently to where Apple is. And this isn't factoring in things like the profitability. Apple's wildly profitable without relying on government tax credits like Tesla currently is. This isn't factoring in the cash balance. Apple has almost $200 billion in cash, while Tesla only has $17 billion. The leap to say that Tesla will grow from where it is right now to a $3 trillion company in five years means that they need to surpass where Apple currently is to justify that valuation. Do you see Tesla surpassing where Apple currently is in five years? That's the question that you need to ask yourself. And there's even more we can highlight between the differences of where Tesla is right now and where Apple is. For the past 10 years, Apple has continually grown its business. They've been more profitable. They grow their cash balance. They expand their market share. And they've done this while paying shareholders. They pay them through dividends and they do aggressive share buybacks. The five-year average yield overall for Apple is 6.91%. 5.4% for the share buybacks and 1.43% for the dividend yield. So Apple pays their shareholders while growing their business. If you look at Tesla's data, you don't get either. You don't get share buybacks and you don't get dividends. In fact, ever since the beginning of Tesla, they've continually expanded their share count, diluting shareholders' equity. Since 2012, Apple has done the exact opposite, aggressively buying back their own shares, increasing shareholders' equity. So you have to ask yourself, do you really think that all these factors are going to come together in four or five years? Do you think that Tesla is going to 9x their revenue, 4x their operating margins, increase their cash balance? They have to stop issuing new shares and instead start buying back shares aggressively and grow all these businesses in the various ways that ARK Invest is predicting. And you think that's going to happen within five years? I'm personally very skeptical of it. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think that Tesla is a great company. It probably has a bright future, but I don't see it having a $3 trillion market cap that's at least justified within five years. Because as of right now, I look at the qualities of Apple and compare Tesla to Apple right now. Apple has a billion devices sold. They have over 580 million customers. They have enormous amounts of profit, enormous amounts of revenue, high operating margins. They're a connected hardware and software company. They have global appeal and they've expanded their company to offer a tremendous amount of valuable services like fitness, movies, music, storage, all sorts of different things. And even then, this company's worth $2 trillion at what I think is a relatively high valuation. 
So as of right now, even with as much respect as I have for Kathy Wood, I have to respectfully say I disagree with her conclusions regarding Tesla and the $3,000 price target. I think it's wildly optimistic, and I think that it's highly unlikely for Tesla to achieve that market cap in any justifiable way. Now, you may disagree with me, and I could be wrong. Leave a comment if you think that I'm wrong, explain why, and I might review it in the next episode. Now, moving on, changing subjects a little bit, I want to go into a quick update on my portfolio, the passive income account. This is the thumbnail of every video I put out has the the dollar amount of this portfolio in it. Roughly speaking, it has a dollar amount. So when you see the 200,000 or 205,000 on the thumbnail, that is what my portfolio is currently trading at. And I do this transparently. I show the growth or the or the decline of this portfolio over time. So you get to see it every single week, whether it moves up or down. And sometimes, like last year, when the coronavirus happened, the portfolio value went down pretty rapidly. And I show that through my videos. So if you want to follow the progress of this every single week, just make sure you're subscribed to the channel. I also have some links in the description that make it so that you can look through every holding in this portfolio. Because M1 Finance has it They have it broken down a little bit differently. I have it so that my portfolio is organized by different sectors. I have consumer. This is consumer companies like Disney, Costco, and Home Depot, and Nike. Those are all top tier, top of the line consumer companies, in my opinion. And then we have fintech and banking. I don't have Square and PayPal in here because they don't provide any passive income, but I do have JP Morgan. I have MasterCard, Visa, and T. Rowe Price. So I try to identify companies that are both growing, both stable. They're the type of companies I can invest I can invest in and leave them for a decade and not have to worry about them. And they provide passive income. That's the qualities that I'm looking for in this portfolio. Now, there's a couple new holdings that I've added. I've been adding on to my AT&T holding. This is one that I'm excited about. And they've came out with a lot of content that they're putting on their new streaming service, HBO Max. That's part of the bull case for AT&T. Another part of it is that it's trading at a 9 PE ratio. It's incredibly cheap right now. Management hasn't been making more and more poor decisions. They're making better decisions. They've sold off legacy businesses as well as they've paid down debt. So in my opinion, AT&T is making all the right moves. They're growing a streaming service. They're paying down debt. They're streamlining their business. And they have a ton of free cash flow to be able to continually support their dividend while growing their business. So this is one that I'm growing. And I've been very excited about this holding. I recently watched the Snyder Cut of Justice League. And I thought it was pretty good. It was a little bit indulgent. Obviously, it's a long movie, but I thought it was pretty good content. And I think that HBO Max will likely hit well over 50 million by the end of 2021. 50 million subscribers. So I am bullish on the growth of this streaming service. And I think that AT&T should be trading at a higher multiple than nine. I really do. So this is one that I'm going to be buying. I'm going to be getting that 7% dividend yield from it. We'll see how it goes in the long term. Another holding that I've been buying a lot of is Jeppy. This is a covered call ETF. It's an actively managed strategy by JP Morgan where they sell covered calls on the S&P 500. So they select mostly dividend payers from the S&P 500 and then they sell covered calls as well as they do a few other things to generate constant income. So this one pays a very high yield and it pays out monthly. I've had a lot of people that Uh, They don't really know how this works. They want me to do a full video on it. I might do that down the road, but I don't have enough time right now to go into it. And then we have Disney, which I'm almost in the green by about $6,000 on a $23,000 holding. So this has been one of the best performers for me. Disney was a company that I held before the coronavirus in 2020. I held the company and I watched as my green went into the red. I was in the red by a lot, 
but I still had conviction with the company. I thought that I was buying some of the most valuable assets in the world with all the intellectual property that they own. Plus, their streaming service was growing like crazy. So when Disney was trading in the 80s and 90s and low 100s, I decided that was a good time to buy into it. I made multiple videos about it. I was very enthusiastic about it. And that one has been one of my best holdings. So this is a company that I still remain bullish on. I have no plans to lock in gains or sell out of it. I plan on holding Disney for the next 20 years. And I think for at least the next 10 years, I think the story with Disney will be the constant barrage of news of how many subscribers are gaining. Oh, they got to 125. They got to 150 million. They got to 200 million. 300 million, 400 million. I really think that we'll see Disney with well over 400 million subscribers. And I think that's within the next five to 10 years. I really think that we'll see that. So this is a company that I still am bullish on. Of course, it's not as good of a price right now as it was a year ago, but I still am very bullish on this company. Now we can look at the growth of my dividend income year by year. In 2018, it was $378. That's how much I earned all of 2018. In 2019, it was $1,748. So from 378 to 1,748. And then from 2019, the 1,700 turned to $3,212. So you can see the amount that I'm growing this year over year. So far in 2021, I've only earned $658 in dividends. In my opinion, that's not good enough. I'm trying to up this dividend amount a lot this year. I want to grow it far past 2020's $3,000. So this is my goal, to increase the yearly dividend income year over year as quick as possible. I even did another graph that shows the growth rate of this portfolio. So 2018 is when I started, so I don't have anything to reference it from. But from 2018 to 2019, I grew my dividend income 350%. 3.5 times. That's the rate of growth. And then from 2019 to 2020, I grew it again 116%. So this is the type of thing you look at with the revenue growth of a company. You look at how much they're growing their revenue year over year. This is exactly what this graph illustrates. The first year in 2019, I grew at 350%. That is incredibly fast revenue growth dividend growth. And then from 2019 to 2020, I grew it again, 116%. I can't grow it at 350% year over year. That's not sustainable for really any portfolio or even companies. You can't find any companies that will grow their revenue 350% for any amount of years. So it did decelerate. And then right now, if I was to stop making dividends or stop earning dividends in 2021, I would have a negative 82% dividend growth meaning that I earned that much less than 2020. But of course, we're just getting started with this year. Eventually, this will get to 0%, which means I've earned the same amount this year that I have last year. And then I plan on trying to up this to where I'm growing at least 50% more this year. So I'd like to get it to where I have another additional 50% increase in dividend income. So that's a little bit of my overview. That's what I'm trying to accomplish with this is making it so my passive income is growing as fast as possible. I'm making a lot of changes this year to be able to accomplish that. And I plan on outlining that in future videos. Another video I have coming out soon are five stocks that I think are heavily undervalued in an overvalued market. So while right now everything's kind of expensive, I found five stocks that I think are pretty cheap. But that will be out in a couple days. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. I'll talk to you guys next time.